thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise this morning. God, we just lift our voices in worship. God, we lift our hands in praise this morning to you. God, we just thank you.
just give him praise this morning? Church, we're singing at the end, and I got this overwhelming feeling that dead things are being back to life in this church, in this building right now. Even for people who aren't in this building right now, somebody you know, dead things are being brought back to life. Whether it's a diagnosis that's been cast over somebody, whether it's emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, if it's financial death, dead things are being brought back to life in the name of Jesus because we serve a God who is more powerful than anything that this world can throw against us, church. You stand here for yourself or for your family or for your friends who are out there and dead things are being brought back to life because God promised that's what he would do because God told you that she would do and as we stand here in faith as Christians we believe the promises of God that's why we come to church that's why we tell people that we do because we stand here in faith and we stand here for people who are too scared or just don't know it God is bringing dead things back to life today this morning while we sing
want to sing this to him this morning. You are worthy of it all. Oh, Jesus, you are. You are worthy of it all. Only you, for from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. foundations of the earth worthy 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 is the one who is and who was and who is to come you're worthy lord 
You're so worthy, Lord. You're worthy of all the praise. You're worthy of all of the worship. You're worthy of all the glory. You're worthy of all of the honor. All power, all majesty, it's all yours. Everything comes from you, and everything will return to you, Jesus. Lord, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. We just worship you, God. We just worship you, God. God, we thank you that you're so faithful. God, we're th we thank you that you're just so, so faithful, God. You're so faithful, God, even when we're faithless, God. God, even when we don't know, you know. Even when we can't see, you see. God, thank you, God. Thank you that you are the way maker. You are a healer. You are a provider. You are our everything. We just can't, we just can't worship you enough, God. We just can't worship you enough, God. We bring you this small offering of our praise and our worship this morning. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Even now, move among us. Prepare hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good, God. Father, we just thank you for the great love with which you love us. We are undone in your presence because of your great love. There is no more strength within me because your love has impacted me. Allow your love to just roll over us even more, God. God, as we're here this morning, as we hear some announcements and some video announcements and the word that Charlie is going to preach this morning, God, let your love just continue to roll over us and roll over us and roll over us. Your love, the great equalizer, the great power from on high. We thank you for your love. God, that we could just know a fraction of it. Even just a fraction, Lord. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the love with which you love us. just stay here all day. <laughs> Jesus, Holy Spirit, just continue. Do what you're doing. Don't stop. Don't stop. 
don't stop. Don't stop. Wow. 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 <laughs> hey, uh, welcome to Redeeming Love. We are a body of believers. We love God. We love one another. We have a vision here at Redeeming Love to engage God, engage church, and engage culture. We want to connect with God in a deep and a meaningful way so that uh, we become transformed into his image and his likeness. We want to engage with one another here at church so that uh, we can be better connected with one another. We're a body of believers and we need to act as such. And then we can go out and we can engage with culture and we can connect with the world around us to bring the same change that's happened in our heart to their heart. This is the vision. Engage God, engage church, engage culture. When you came in this morning, you were handed an engage card. So we're just going to all take a moment and fill this out. Um, so for those of you guys who we normally fill these out throughout the entire service, we're going to be taking the offering uh, here in just a moment. And then we're going to collect these cards during video announcements. So be sure to fill you out your card in its entirety right now. So let's just take a moment and do that together. On the back of the engage card, we've got some engage groups you can sign up for. Uh, there's a couple of them that are closed. There's already X's in them. You guys have been doing a great job. Uh, this is only our third week to sign up and uh, numbers two and five are already closed because of capacity reasons. Uh, but there's, there's a list in the back. There's a list up on the screens of all the different engage groups. We want to encourage you and you obviously because we're closing them, you guys are doing a fantastic job of doing this. Uh, but we want, to, we want to encourage you to sign up for an engage group. Engage groups is where discipleship happens. We're called by God to not only uh, share Jesus and win souls, but we're called to make disciples. The Great Commission was go into all of the world, make disciples of all nations. And so we're called to make disciples. And the way you become a disciple is by joining an engage group. This is where you actually figure out. I mean, yeah, we do part of it here on a Sunday morning, but the next step is by joining, it, uh, attending an engage group and we go deeper, right? It's always deeper. God's always calling us deeper out into his vast ocean until there's no more dirt underneath our feet. And then it goes hundreds of feet down, amen? So sign up for an engage group today. Uh, next week is Father's Day. We've got a special gift for all the dads and uh, we're gonna be having um, a very special guest speaker again. We're going to have my spiritual dad, Pastor Tom Sardella, bring the message next Sunday, so you're not going to want to miss that. What a treat. What a treat. Thrilled to have my, my spiritual dad preaching on Father's Day. Yeah, this is good stuff. Good stuff. Woo! Yeah, and a free gift. I'm, oh, you don't want to miss that either. Uh, hey, uh, lastly, uh, for those of you who have been here before, you've witnessed Charlie's ministry before, you know that we have a tendency to go long on these days. So we're actually going to collect the offering here in just a moment uh, after I share very briefly. Uh, but Charlie's going to come, he's going to bring a message, and then he's going to begin to minister prophetically over people here. And sometimes we can go until late in the afternoon. Uh, not late in the afternoon, but, you know, well beyond our normal ending time. If you have to go for any reason, 
uh, as soon as that prophecy, prophecy starts, if you have to go, feel free, be released. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I know that all of us will hang out because we all want one of those prophetic words. Amen. And uh, so that and then the offering this morning, you know, as I was thinking about taking the offering today, receiving the offering today, um, uh, <laughs> something very unusual happened um, a few years back. And I just want to make mention of it. You guys are an awesome giving church. You guys have no lack. I mean, we have no lack here at Redeeming Love. Uh, I mentioned this before. We have doubled our missions giving over last year. Come on. We've doubled it. Whatever it was that we gave away last year, we gave away twice as much this year already. And uh, that's only going to increase. And, and that's in part largely because of what you guys do and what, what you guys bring. We couldn't do it without you. Um, but the story that the Lord reminded me of was um, a few years back, probably like, I say few, probably like six or eight years back, maybe even 10, uh, me and a bunch of the younger people were playing video games together. I love Minecraft. Minecraft, it's like, yeah, come on, where's my Minecraft people at? Let's go, let's go. Um, it's upsetting that there's nobody but my age with their hand up in the air about Minecraft. It's really, I'm gonna have to go to the Lord. Uh, Joe, yeah, right, my man, all right. It's like, it's like digital Legos. I mean, if you've never played Minecraft, I loved Legos as a kid. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And so first time I played it, I was like, it's like digital Legos, but you don't have to pick them up at the end. <laughs> that was always a problem. That was always a problem. Uh, what are we talking? Oh, yeah, uh, so <laughs> Minecraft. So a bunch of years ago, uh, probably eight or ten at this point, as long as I think it might have been yesterday. We were playing Legos, or, um, Minecraft. Now I'm all confused. Thank you, Lord. And um, <clears throat> we got into one of these worlds where it's multi and you can play from anywhere. So I would play in my house and people would pray from their apartments and, you know, all over the world because it was connected via the Internet. I don't even know how this happens, but they hooked me up. And I'm like, great, praise God. And so I'm playing this world and... Um, my son starts to build this elevator that goes to the sky, like literally right up to the roof of the sky. And he created a platform so you could jump off and hit this trampoline at the bottom. And if you missed the trampoline, you died. But anyways, he, did, he built this great thing. And so, I mean, we were in this world for a long time. And I'm like, what am I going to build? And I'm like, it's got to be good. And I can't do that. Yeah, I can't do that elevator thing. He used all the redstone with the electronics and you just hop in, you hit the button, and it goes zing all the way up. It was cool. And I'm like, I can't do that. And then my daughter built um, this thing that automatically harvested the vegetables. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, you guys that play Minecraft, you probably know all of this. And so I'm like, what am I going to build? What am I going to build? What can be significant? And the Lord, the Lord basically spoke to me and said, build a duplicate of Herod's temple. And I'm like, okay, all right, that's me. So I went to my Bible. And I pulled out my Bible and I started to read the dimensions and I started to read, you know, it's overlaid with gold and on and on and on and on and so forth and so forth and so forth. And so then I go back into the game the next time and I start to clear the land and I start to build with this special white stone because it was white stone that was covered in gold. And so I start to build this, this building and the different people that were in the world saw what I was doing and they're like, hey, what are you doing? because you can talk to one another. And I'm like, hey, I'm building, I'm building Herod's temple. Herod's temple would have been the one that was there in Jesus's day. 
right, in Jesus' days. And so that's the one I'm going after because it was actually, it was actually, uh, the, the look of it from the outside was more glorious than Solomon's temple. We don't need to get into all that. What happened was very unusual. And this is the whole reason why I'm telling the story uh, in reference to the offering is that as soon as I cast the vision and I told everybody that I was playing with what I was doing, I mean, guys, if you've, it, it's like 300 blocks long, it was like 40 blocks high, 50 blocks wide. This thing was enormous. I need to build it with all of this special white stone, and then I needed to cover the whole thing with gold. It was gonna take me forever. We're playing uh, survival world, so you had to go out and mine everything. And so what happened was people jumped on board and they're like, you know what? I'm gonna go harvest white stone for you. You know what, I'm gonna go dig and I'm gonna go find gold for you. And so I actually set up a treasure room outside the temple so that people could come and leave an offering in a virtual world. And you know what, they filled up those boxes and I said, hey, there's something going on here. I cast vision in a virtual world for something that I wanna do for God and people got behind me and they started to give. <laughs> well, I'm just here to tell you today that you guys are doing the same thing here in the natural world. We've cast the vision. The vision is clear. The vision is plain. Engage God, engage church, and engage culture. And on top of that, we're going to save the city of Troy. 50,000 people, we're going to get them all in churches. Maybe not this church. This building's not big enough. But we are going to see the city of Troy saved. And because you guys have caught the vision, you guys give freely. We don't have to twist anybody's arm. I feel like we're entering, um, we're not there yet. I feel like, because God's doing something, but I feel like we may actually even get to the point where we have to restrain the people from giving like they did in Moses' day because they had too much. We're not there yet. <laughs> All right, come on, let's pray. and We're gonna receive the offering. Father, we thank you for, hopefully I, I rambled on long enough so you got time to fill out your engage card. Father, we thank you for, uh, we thank you for this offering. We thank you for uh, your people here at Redeeming Love who love to give, who have caught the vision and who are running with us, God. And Father, we just pray that you would come, that you would bless hearts this morning, God. God, that you would do uh, exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could dare dream, ask or think in Jesus' name, amen. Check out these video announcements. Kids, you are dismissed to go to Children's Church. Amen. Amen. Charlie's been a friend of the house here. Pastor Charlie's been a friend of the house here for 28 years. I believe he visited for the first time in 1995. And so for 28 years, Charlie has come and shared the word and shared his prophetic ministry. And uh, I just want to, before I call him up, I want to let you know that uh, this is a very special gift. And we are we, as Redeeming Love, are blessed, 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 blessed to have had him come for 28 consecutive years. I don't think he's ever missed a year. 
And uh, we, I just can't, I can't say it enough, guys. I've been to hundreds of conferences and churches and all over at all these different ministries, and nobody ministers the way Charlie ministers in the prophetic with words of knowledge and words of wisdom. It's just fantastic, and we are just beyond blessed to have him. So uh, don't take this ministry for granted. I've only seen anything like it ever twice in 30 years, and uh, just so blessed to have Charlie. Charlie, come and, and share this morning. You've got something on your heart. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is in the house. Come on. Woo! So good. Uh, Love the exhortation this morning because I shared in, in the prayer room that uh, God was going to roll away the stones of people's hearts and they would come alive. You know, so that was awesome. So um, thank you for stepping out. Well, it's awesome to be here. We drove up from uh, South Florida. Uh, it took us a couple days, but uh, we did it, and we're up here for five weeks because we've got a grandson graduating and lots of family to see, and um, um, Sharon and I are excited to see what God is doing here at Redeeming Love. Uh, May 25th, we celebrated 49 years of happy marriage, and... Uh, we're one click away from the 50, you know, so um, pretty cool. Well, I want to uh, exhort you this morning. Um, uh, if I put a title on this, I, I call it, I Can Make a Difference. I'm going to tell your neighbor, you can make a difference. Psalm 26, verse 8 says, Lord, I love the house where the place, the place where your glory dwells. Wow. Psalm 81.10 says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of, the, of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Come on now. Psalm 122.1. I rejoice. <laughs> Come on now. Say it with me. I rejoice. Now I can't hear you. I rejoice when those said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on. Matthew 16, 18 says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let's go. Come on. You know, I don't care how dark the world is. Jesus is the light. And we're light keepers. We're light. If, listen, if we're made in the image of Jesus, then that same light is inside of you. Stop covering your light and be a light to your community and to your family and to your homes. Well, I'm a little bit worried, you know, uh, you know, uh, we might come under persecution. So what? You're not going to see the persecution they saw in here. Maybe we will. I don't know. But who Whose side are you on? Jesus is all about his church. Yep. He's all about his bride. That's you and me. Yep. And whether they know it or not, those outside these four walls, yeah. Yeah. They, they just don't know they're the children of God yet. His church is a place where people can come <laughs> and find a home. Yes. 
It's a place where wounded hearts can get healed. It's a place where people can come and have their physical bodies healed or touched. It's a place where young people can find their identity in Christ. It's a place where the poor and the needy can find both spiritual and natural food to sustain themselves. It's a place where we love one another. It's a place where community is formed. It's a place where relationship, church is all about relationship, and it's all about relating to one another. The church is a mess today. There are churches where brothers and sisters, I'm talking blood brothers and sisters, are not talking to one another. There's, there's churches where uh, uh, young people are preventing their, their, their grandparents from seeing the grandchildren because they're split over doctrinal issues. What the heck? And we, we see it because Sharon and I are in churches. We, we, last year, we made nine trips to the Seattle airport. We ministered all through the state of Washington. This year, we've already done five. Something's happening on the West Coast. Smith Wigglesworth prophesied years and years ago that a revival would start, not a refreshing, a revival would start in the state of Washington and it would sweep across the country. We're believing for that. So what should be our role, your role, my role, or ministry to help people discover Jesus? I'm going to give you three things, and I'm going to build on them. Number one, help them to know God. It's simple. This isn't hard stuff. It doesn't take rocket science to get people to help them know God. Number two, punch their ticket to eternity. Make it very difficult for people to go to hell. And number three, help people grow in Christ. Well, I don't know if I can do those things. Yes, you can. You most certainly can. If you've got Jesus inside of you, you can do it. The word of your testimony is enough to get people saved. Come on, that's right. The Bible said, by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. Wow. In Acts 17.6, I found this very interesting the jews were very angry because paul and silas they were angry they were jealous because paul and silas were on their mission trip there and you know they're preaching jesus and everything so they round up a mob of people okay and they go searching and that and the mob was rioting and everything and they went looking for them and they came to this house where a man named jason lived and it says but when they did not find them they dragged jason the poor guy jason okay out of his home and some of the other believers before the city officials shouting these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here how about we be those people that cause trouble? Come on. We need to be the troublemakers. We need to be the agitators. And if that's what it's going to take to get people to come to know Christ, then let it happen. Man, our brother-in-law, Cliff, my wife's brother, he, he pastors a church in Ski Windham, New York. 
awesome church. And him and his wife, Linda, they stayed on us for years. And they would come to our house and they would, we would see them come and we go, oh God, here comes the Jesus freaks. Okay. And we would close the blinds and tell our kids, don't make a noise, you know, because we don't want to hear anything else from them. But they stayed on us and stayed on us and stayed on us. Let me tell you something. As Christians, you need to put on the full armor of God every day you wake up. And see, when we put our shield down, when we put our shield down, other people will pay the price for that. Because my brother-in-law, Cliff and Linda, they kept their shield high to put put a hedge of protection around Sharon and I and our three young boys at the time our daughter wasn't born they kept a shield up to protect us because we were unable to do so because we were so stiff necked and we had been hurt by religion we came out of I came out of a Catholic church and and I, I, I was blaming God and someone said to me one day you're not you don't blame God blame the religion the religion did this God would never do this to you you're called to fight. I'm called to fight. And when you don't fight and you make a choice not to fight, it's at a great cost to others. We need to fight. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We need to be fighting for those people that don't know Jesus yet as their personal Lord and Savior. I, I'm watching the world today, and I'm wondering if we're having difficulty every day with what's going on. Imagine what people who don't know Jesus are going through. Do you know in biblical times, they would coat their shields with a special oil? And when the fiery darts that they would fire, the enemy would fire at them and hit the shield, it would extinguish the darts immediately. That spoke to me. It's like the anointing oil. We need to anoint ourselves daily. So that when the fiery darts of the enemy come our way, they get extinguished right away. How do you anoint yourself? Well, you know, the word anoint means to smear. You know, listen to praise and worship music, you know, and, and call upon the name of the Lord, you know. And, you know, uh, in Revelation, it says, anoint my eyes that I might see, f you know, fresh vision. Give me fresh vision. I want to see surprises. Surprise me, Lord. I wake up every morning and I say, Lord, surprise me. Anoint me and surprise me. Folks, believe it or not, that's the calling on our lives. We're not here on earth, you know, to be Minecrafters, okay, to build our wealth and everything. We're here for a short time. What legacy are you leaving? You know, Billy Graham says legacy is not personal items and wealth and everything. Legacy is the, the mark you leave on people's lives. We're here to turn the world upside down for the gospel. God purposely designed the church not to stay quiet. Ecclesiastes, it's the bride, the church is us. The, the, yeah, the building's the church, but you are the church. You are the bride of Christ, and we are designed not to be quiet. The church is called to make an impact on people's lives and communities that you live in and the government and the schools that are around you. 
You know, 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whichever, whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Every one of us are given a gift, right. and we're not supposed to be stingy with it, and we're supposed to use it to impact our communities. No, we were driving up this this morning as we were approaching, you know, I saw Redeeming Love, and I love the name of the church, but the Lord had a subtitle on it, under it, Impact Church. Come on. Yeah. You ever stand next to a jackhammer when it's tearing up concrete? Woo-hoo! The ground shakes underneath your feet. You know, when we direct everything we have to God, we give him all the praise and the glory and everything, and when he returns it to us, we have to take it out into the streets. Yep. It's not just for us. Yep. It's for us to take it out. You know, in the upper room, let me take you back there. In the upper room, he gave power to the purpose, and then they took that purpose to the street. Yep. We need to move up in prayer move up in worship and move up in the word come on come on come on why we always need to move up in the word we always need to move up in prayer we always need to move up in in worship why because then we got to move it out you got to take it out of us. We got to take it out of these four walls and we got to get it into people's homes. And, uh, and you and I are on a mission, just like Paul and Silas were on a mission. What is our mission? What is it? Here it is Acts 2, Whew. 17 through 21, New Living Testament. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Uh, in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above the signs and earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will come, become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day the Lord arrives, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Without God, we're helpless. And there's a lot of helpless people outside these four doors. They got painted faces, they got painted smiles, they got painted jobs and, and, and glory upon them. But on the interior, uh, on the inside, deep in, the heart, in their hearts, they know something's missing. We can't forget the mission. Move up, move in, and move out. Wow. Listen, Paul and Silas, they and the people, they had, you know, when after after the upper room experience, over 25,000 missionaries got ordained. And they went out. And Paul and Silas were one of them. They had to move out of Jerusalem. And they went to Europe, they went to Africa, they went to the Roman Empire, they went everywhere they could possibly go and made trouble. They called them troublemakers. In the book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles, society was changed. 
We can change society. That's one of the things you're talking about. Engage culture. Yeah. Doesn't mean join the culture. Engage them. Do you know our, our pastor in, um, uh, of course, Pastor Matt and Pastor Stacy? They're our pastors. Um, I don't. For those of you that don't know, this is our church, Sharon and I. This is our local church. Even though we live in Florida, we attend a church called Christ Fellowship. It's forty-four thousand people, thirteen campuses. 60,000 people attended church on Easter Sunday, and 950 young people gave their lives to the Lord. Amen. But Sharon and I believe that we have to be part of a local church under a local pastor and a local eldership and everything. This is our church. Redeeming, I don't know if you knew that. Redeeming Love is our church. They are our pastors. And so it's, it's very important. And Sharon and I are out there, but the pastor in, um, in Christ Fellowship, Todd, he told us a story. He said, in the Roman Empire, it was legal to abandon unwanted children alongside of the road to die from exposure or to be eaten by animals. The church stepped in and rescued the children. And believe it or not, this is what birthed orphanages. Let me give you some more scripture. Matthew 25, 35 through 36. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And verse 40 says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it unto me. Yeah, you know, I'll date us. Keith Green, we just dug out our old Keith Green um, CDs, and he sings that song, you know. Lord, Lord, when were you hungry? You know, when were you sick? Uh, well, it wasn't terminal, was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. You know, I mean, he makes kind of fun of it, but he's making a point. We have got to take care of the people that are around us. We need to turn the things that are wrong, you know, upside down, and make them right side up. Yeah. How? Certainly not by fighting. Come on. Come on. By speaking the word in spirit and in truth will win people's hearts. Yeah. Our, ha our heart attitude should be this, folks. The love of Christ compels me because there is love in my heart for new people. The love of Christ should so, so compel us that we want to reach out to other people. There's a church we're going, we go to in um, Bell Vernon, Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, we're going to be going there in August, uh, going back there. And he bought a building that used to be owned by the city. It housed the courts, it housed the jail, and the fire department, and everything else about the city. He bought this building for $70,000 from the, from the city. Okay? It's still got the courthouse in it. It's still got the jail cells in it. You know, he told me he uses the jail cells when people don't heed counseling. Okay? And, and, just joking. <laughs> he took the fire, the section that was the firehouse, and they put in this open, the door with all the glass, and they made a coffee house in there and everything. I'm going to tell you something. They got, like, little lunches and stuff and everything. 
the place gets jam-packed. People are getting saved in the coffee house, okay? And he got, he got some, this one lady, he goes, Charlie, you're never going to believe this. This lady gets so saved, they give her a job at the coffee house, right? His church has doubled. Say double. Doubled. I, I, I can't wait to get there. He goes, Charlie, I can't fit everybody. We've had to go to other services, and we went to other services, and we can't fit everybody in those services. And now that building, there's a retired barber in his church, and they took one section of the building, turned it into a big salon, and he's training people how to do um, hair and, and stuff, and they're getting licensed and stuff. So young people, and then they put in a counseling center, okay, Christian counseling center. Now there's some attorneys that want a room so that they can come in twice a week and volunteer to help people with any legal issues. And then, you know, uh, food stamp says, hey, people are hungry, people need to know things, you know, so can we have a room and we'll decorate it and we'll pay and so that people can come and find out what's available to them and what benefits are to them. It's because coming an all-in-one type of, of, of thing, okay? It's the most incredible thing, and they're reaching their city. Yeah. Reaching their city. Why? Because Matthew 28 also says, go in all of the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have said to you. Man, he stepped out with $70,000, and then we go there, and of course, we prophesy a bunch of stuff. I had no idea. First of all, I prophesied the building to him, and well, God did. And then all of a sudden, we're there, and I said to the, the woman who's overseeing everything, I said, you know, you better get ready because things are going to start happening really fast. She sends us this thing a month later, full of pictures and everything. She goes, look at the donations we're getting. I mean, people were sending, you know, salons, full salons, sinks, chairs, you know, brand new, you know, and all this stuff is happening. And, and now they're reaching their city. You can't reach your city inside the four walls of your church. And once you find the people, once we tell them, once we compel them, we had to gather them to ourselves and teach them the ways of the Lord. It's not just getting them saved, it's mentoring them. We need to draw people into fellowship. We need to draw people into our homes. We have to gather them unto ourselves, not just to visit or be nice, but to teach them the word. And you can say, well, I don't know the word. Come on, yes, you do. You know the word. God has spoken to you. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to, to, to teach him the word. You've got all these, these uh, things that you're, you're doing right now where people are being invited to the homes. They, they should have access next to every one of them. <laughs> Let's go. Fill them up. You know, and, and a lot of those exes that should be in those groups are people that don't know the Lord. What a great place for them to find out yeah. in someone's home. I love home gatherings. It's, it takes the stigma of the church away, and it lets people's uh, guard down, and they just start to talk. We need to impart the word into them and then send them out. <laughs> That's what they did in Acts. Imparted the word and they sent them out because the word of God gets tucked in their hearts. Now, I'm here to ask you this morning, who do you know? Who do you know right now who needs to find Jesus? Who do you know that's backslidden? Who do you know that's got upset with the church over something? 
and they're no longer serving the Lord. Who's backslidden that needs to uh, find God? Go tell them what God is doing in your life. You don't have to hit them over the head with the Bible. Go tell them well, this is what God's doing for me. He healed me. He did this. He did that. Wow. It's time for you to tell your story to other people. Revelation 12, 11 says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Your testimony is just not your history. Your testimony is a prophecy of your future. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. My testimony is just full of shame. Well, guess what? <laughs> our greatest shame can be our greatest testimony. How about you try reframing your shame? Reframe it. Tell your story. Show them how God is helping you be all you can be in Christ. The gospel needs to spread within all generations. This church has been, as long as I have been coming here, prophesying that there is a generational blessing upon this church. Amen. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. The Apostle Paul, he invested himself into others so that God's word and promises would go from generation to generation. We're, this church is called to be what I would call an every generation church. Interacting with one another, the old with the young and the young with the not so old and, and all over the place in every generation church to pick up the baton and be ready to pass it on to this generation. Notice I'm not saying next generation. The generation is already here. It's time for you to step out into your calling. This generation needs mentors. This generation needs to hear your voice. And I, I, I've been going around the country, and Sharon will tell you, I say, show me a church that won't invest into this generation, and I will show you a church that's dying. The church in Tacoma, Washington, it's called City Hill Church. It sits on the highest elevation in, in Tacoma. And if any of you have ever been to Tacoma, if you're on I-5, you'll see this big neon sign that says, Jesus cares about you. It's lit on both sides. Okay, that's our friend's church. They're right below the sign. It's been up for 35 years. He's not always owned the church. The pandemic hit, and there was a four-square church in there. That sanctuary, by the way, has a balcony that will hold 600 people. And 700 people on the floor. Wow. That church used to be filled, that four-square church used to be filled three services every Sunday, max. Wow. Stopped investing in the generation. They got down to 20 people. And they called our friend during the pandemic and said, hey, would you like this building? He goes, well, right now. And they go, no, no, give us $100,000, it's yours. That building is worth over $3 million. And boy, I'm going to tell you something right, Sharon, the generation, yeah, that gener is on fire. I'm up there preaching about investing in to the next, th this generation. And as I'm doing it, all the young people were coming up behind me and getting on their instruments and just started to play behind me as I'm bringing this forth. And then it just broke out. I mean, 
kids were dancing, young people dancing all over. The platform was like a springboard going up and down. And the pastor was sweating it. I said, don't worry about it. That can be fixed. You can't stop what's happening here. It's time to choose the gospel over comfort. Service over selfishness. We don't need just good programs. I'm so sick of church programs. We got to go to battle for our children in this generation. We got to take the prophetic words spoken over your lives and spoken over your children's lives and the prophetic words spoken over the church and we got to go to war with them. That's what Timothy says to us. Take your prophetic words and go to war with them. Satan, you can't have my children. Satan, you can't have my grandchildren. Satan, you're not going to infest my children with drugs, no, or alcohol. I have the promise from God. we got to get in Satan's face, but he's going to take over if you don't fight. Folks, your most fruitful days of ministry are still ahead of you. Pray for battle strategies. God is, ab God is about to define who he is to your communities through you. Come on. I prayed over a pastor at the Alibaba restaurant. Alibaba restaurant on Friday night. He comes in. I didn't even know he was a pastor. And I told him, God's about to, to define your life and your church's life right now. Come and it's on. the same thing right here. Defining moments, what a defining moment is, is pivotal times where life-altering decisions get made. So you're walking along the path and the Lord speaks and you actually pivot to what God is telling you to do and then start walking in the path he pivots you in. You got to be able to pivot. You got to be able to say, you know what? It's not working. We're going to follow what Jesus is saying. Defining moments produce vision. They produce direction. Remember the Syrian king who was hunting down Elisha? Listen to this. The king surrounded Elisha and his servant. Find out where he is, the king ordered. I'll send soldiers to bring him here. They learned that Elisha was in the town of Dotham and reported to the king he ordered his best troops, his best troops to go there with horses and chariots. They marched out during the night and surrounded the town. Now, let me tell you the backstory to this. The king would do his battle strategies in his bedroom. And the Lord would take the battle strategy and bring it to Elisha and tell him, don't go there because the king's troops are going to be there. So they would go another place. And so the king says, there must be a spy in my bedroom. And his, his people around him said, King, there's no spy. It's this man named Elisha. His God is telling him your battle plans. Come on. Think about that. That would be like our government saying, are you kidding me? These Christians, they're getting our plans. And you know what was really interesting? Elisha would get there first. As Christians, we got to learn to get there first. We got to get to the schools first. We got to get to our city government first. We got to be there. So God will give us a strategy to get there because when we're first, we get the advantage. 
And, and, but then the story goes on when Elisha's servant got up the next morning and he saw the Syrian troops had the trial and surrounded. He says, sir, what are we going to do? You ever feel surrounded? You ever feel boxed in? And Elisha says, don't be afraid. Oh, man. There are more troops on our side than on ours. Get this now. Here's the key. Everybody stops there. Hallelujah, there's more for us that are against us. No. It says in verse 17, then he prayed. And he prayed a simple prayer. Lord, please help him, who, my servant, to see. And the Lord let the servant see that the hill was covered with fiery horses and flaming chariots all around Elisha on their side. See, when we pray, when we're, our backs are against the wall, we're out there trying to win our communities and everything, and our backs are against the wall, when we pray, God will give us a strategic prayer to pray, short and sweet, and when we, he answers us, he allows us to see into another dimension. He allows us to see into the supernatural. It's in us. Wow. You know, we need to pray for one another this way. Open our eyes that we will see. Because the world tries to shut them on us. Put blinders on us. <laughs> see, when you stand next to people of faith, you begin to see what they see. If you're having a hard time, get around someone that's full of faith and start to see what they're seeing. You can't get around a faithful person and not catch it. I'm sorry. And I'm a tough guy. Okay. Prioritizes the place, prioritize the places that direct destiny. That's what these prayers will do. When the doors of the house are open, be there. Come on. God will give you the advantage over the enemy. I'm going to say it again. This church is called to be an all-generation church. You've got to decide. You've got to, make, you've got to make a decision to live by faith and make bold declarations against the enemy and things that are going on or just sit there and take what's coming to you. But I want to be a person who's going to walk in distinction and clarity and be distinguishable wherever I go, carrying the word of God so that people's lives will be changed. Defining moment. What is a defining moment? A defining moment is that, that, that will transform the hearts of people from the inside out. I don't want an outward conversion. I want an inward conversion. I want their hearts totally converted, that their faith starts to take hold immediately when you lay hands on them, when you pray over them. Caleb was 80 years old. 80 years old. 80 years old. Come on. Give me my mountain. And you know, he didn't just ask for any mountain. He says, I want the place where the giants are. What? 80 years old. You want to get in your RV and go by some lake or something. You don't want to, and you know, and, and kayak and, and, you know, do all those kinds of things. You don't want to go where the giants are. 
And, 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 and he says, one of the versions says, I want to go where the giants are so that they don't hinder this generation for another 40 years. 80 years old, and he's got fight in him yet. Folks, we need to step up. Step in and step out and impart to this generation. Invest in them like Jesus invested in you. And now it's your time to invest into some very valuable assets, young people, your communities, your schools. The Apostle Paul in Acts 28, I'm almost done and we're going to pray. Can I get somebody up here on the keyboard, please? Matter of fact, just bring all the musicians up. Hallelujah. Have a party. Um, the Apostle Paul in Acts 28, 30 through 31 states it so clearly. It ain't over. It ain't over. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all whom visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. I want to tell you something. Healing did not die when the apostles died. Prophetic did not die when the apostles died. When the first century ended, all the gifts did not die. I'm, I'll, I'll take on any sensationalist that tries to prove this statement. Why did Jesus say then, go and make disciples? Why did he say, go and lay hands upon the sick? Go prophesy. If it died, he wouldn't have said that. The story did not end in Acts 28. The story is still alive on June 10th, 2023 at 11.27 a.m. The Spirit of the Lord is in each and every one of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, that dunamis power, is alive inside of you. Lives are still being restored. Generations are being touched. Communities are being transformed. People are being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, being healed. You know, they're, they're, they're walking where they couldn't walk. They're, 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 they're recovering from diseases. Things are happening. The upper room experience is being rebirthed again in 2023. We can't wait. The message got out in Jesus' day through the sacrifice of people. It's going to cost you. How many times have you heard your pastor say it, Pastor Tom say it, other people say it? It's going to cost you. There's going to be a sacrifice. The word had to get out of Jerusalem and out to the world. The word has to get out of redeeming love and out into your communities. Paul and Silas got on a boat and took the message to the world. I want to read this scripture to you. I want to prove something to you and then I'm going to finish it up and we're going to pray. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island at the Alexandrian ship with two twin gods as its figurehead. Now, I want to say something to you. As, as Americans today, we would say, you know, look at 
Oh my God, our first ship shipwrecked. Must be it's not God for us to go forth and bring his word anywhere else. Or I love this one, the ship they got on had twin gods. Not the God we serve. Well, I'm not going to get on that ship. There's evil on that ship because there's twin gods. Do you know God will make a way where there seems to be no way? Sometimes we just got to, hey, listen, if, if Jesus is inside of you, twin gods on the front of the ship ain't going to do nothing. You got more power in your little finger than those twin gods got on the front of that ship. You can't let these things stop you. You can't let the darkness of the world stop you. You can't let all the evil around you stop you. Now, I love this. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up to the coast of Putuoni. There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. Listen, when you step out in faith and you don't let all these other things stop you, the breath of God will fill your sails. The wind will blow, and he will take you to your destination. And it says the brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming and they came to meet us at the forum. Others joined us at the three taverns and when Paul saw them, he encouraged them and thanked God. And when he, we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. You see, some of us get hung up on that too. Ah, he was giving us freedom. He was preaching the gospel even though he was guarded by a soldier. Maybe that soldier is going to get saved. We got to stop looking with our natural eyes and start looking with our spiritual eyes. Prayer, folks, is the key to everything I'm telling you. Be a warrior on your knees. Pray for the supernatural to hit the sons and the daughters of not only this house, but those yet to come to the house and in your surrounding areas and everywhere you go, declare the name and the power of Jesus over this generation. God is our compassionate Father. Lord, today we bring, we bring Jesus. God, we bring your son Jesus before you. We love him. Lord, we say, come and have your way in our lives. Folks, ask him every day. Ask the Lord every day to be gracious on behalf of your children, your grandchildren, to your parents, to your siblings, to your extended families, you know, to government figures, to friends, whoever, that his grace will be upon them. I'm going to tell you something. It's time to let go of the heavy burdens that you're carrying around. Good Lord. Fast Maria. Give God, give our gracious God, give our Abba Father thanks every day. Lord, I thank you for forming me when you when I was in my mother's womb that, that I who knew that you would keep me. You would bless me. You would use me. Ask the Lord every day, Lord, give me more courage. 
Ask him to pour out his spirit. I wake up in the morning, I say, Lord, give me a new boldness. Give me more courage, Lord God, Jesus, so that I can go to people, children, siblings, parents who don't know you. Father, to bring them the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of this? Above all, folks, pray, pray, pray that a very real knowledge and an experience of the grace and truth of the gospel will capture people's hearts. More than anything else. We long to hear those people we love and care for make this statement. I belong to Jesus. We can do it. We've got a job to do. They can't do it on their own. They can be the best musicians ever. It takes a team. It takes a team. It takes people who are committed in faith. It takes people who say, I'm not going to be denied what the Lord has called me to do. I'm going to be everything that God has called me to do and more. I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that person of light. And, and despite if it might hurt me, it despite, listen, I know somebody who lost a job because of their faith. We can't compromise. This is not a season. We have to be Daniels, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's today. We're not going to bow to any other God. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be who you say we're gonna be. I'm gonna, I'm never gonna lose my identity in Christ. I am who God says I am, and you can't change my name. They changed, they changed Daniel's name. They changed his buddies' names. Didn't change who they were. I'm still who God says I am. And since he's the great I am, I'm not bowing to anything. I'm encouraging you today. I'm not saying be evangelist and go, you know, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm kind of soft on the word evangelism. I'm just saying do what the mandate in the Bible says. Go, go. You know, I had somebody ask me, what's the word go mean? Look it up. Go. There's no other explanation. It's go. Make disciples. You know, bring the word. Bring the good news. If someone didn't bring the good news to us, Sharon and I, we would not be stand, her sitting, me standing here today. We wouldn't even be married. I'll be honest with you. Someone had to have the boldness. Someone had to have the tenacity. Someone really had to love us the way Jesus loves us in order to net us. And believe me, I went kicking and screaming. She'll tell you. I went kicking and screaming. I said, I ain't going to no cult church. 
And I even would say, all my buddies are going to be in hell. I might as well be there with them. I even said, the ground will have to shake, rock and roll, before I step foot in a church. Five seconds, say five seconds. After I made that statement, the ground started to shake. Literally, our house started to shake. The cabinet doors started to shake. Things started falling out of the cabinets. We had our first ever earthquake, 6.6 magnitude in the Mohawk Valley. And the whole house was shaken. And the wagon wheel in our kitchen was going like this. And our brother-in-law, Cliff, who was trying to get us saved all this time, was sitting at the kitchen table at 5.30 in the morning because we had had a death in the family. And his eyes got this big. If he were here, he'd tell you, getting my sister and my brother-in-law saved, I almost lost my life. <laughs> I turned to my brother-in-law after it was all over, and I said, what time is service on Sunday? <laughs> But we went with conditions. He knows. He was there. I said, we'll come to church as long as no one touches us and no one pulls us up front. Because we had heard all the stories. It's a cult. They want your W-2 to make sure that you're tithing properly and all this other kind of stuff. So the worship's going and everything, and my wife starts crying, and I realize, oh, this is a great excuse to get out of here. So I said, honey, gather the kids. We can go now. And she goes, no, no, I'm fine. All right, I got to stay. So all of a sudden, I see my brother-in-law and the pastor of the church and a few other guys huddling up front. We were in the back row. And I turned to her. I said, uh-oh, they're up to something. Grab the kids. We're going to go. So we're grabbing the kids, and there was a double door just like that over there. And there were two guys standing at the door like this. I said to her, oh, my God, it's true. It's a cult. They let you in, but they won't let you out. <laughs> I'm telling you this story because I want you to think about what people are thinking when they come to church for the first time. And then they came and got us. And they explained to us salvation. They start to pray over us. When they prayed over us, the next thing I know, I am flat on my back. I don't know what hit me. I didn't know what was going on. And they're prophesying over me to nations and all this stuff. And I'm a Catholic. I'm like, what are these people? What's wrong with these people? And what are they saying? And all this kind of stuff. But we got gloriously saved. Our marriage got saved, our, our life got saved. And then we had an elder come up to us two weeks later and says, you're saved now, you're saved. Life is gonna be a piece of cake. Six months into salvation, I went to him and said, liar, liar, pants on fire. The Bible says the road is a narrow road. Hallelujah. That's who we are. And that's why we're so passionate about what we bring you. I don't bring you anything out of a textbook. I bring you everything out of life, our life experiences. And believe me, we've been keeping loose count. But we have prayed, prophesied, prophesied over 65,000 people in our lifetime. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So this morning, 
We're going to pray over some of y'all. Like Pastor said, if you have to go, you know, you go. Not going to offend us. You can even bring the kids back in. Screaming kids, do not bother us, okay? Um, you know, we're good. Matter of fact, sometimes I think the children need to be exposed. Ours were. We would keep our kids with us and let them be exposed to the things of God and let them see. I mean, they got prophesied over by Kim Clement and, and many other, you know, very, um, what's her name? Um, I can't think of them, uh, Chuck Pierce and, and many of them. We would just push our way through and let say, lay hands on our kids, lay hands on our children. That's the kind of hunger you need to have. And we love to pray for people, young children anyway. We, it's fun for us because we want to impart into them. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And um, wow, wow. Now, there were two couples we did leadership meeting yesterday, and their spouses weren't here. Are they here? Are there? And who was the other? All right, your spouse here with you? Oh, all right. Well, you should sit next to him. I know you probably, you know, for show purposes, you know. <laughs> no, just kidding. 